Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And, and we, we are, are Both and. and. A podcast dedicated to giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Happy Multiracial Monday, everyone. Happy Monday. We are here with you in 2021. Oh, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> we had hoped that this would be a better year and it's been crazy already, but... We're not going to focus on what's ahead just yet. We're going to recap the year. Mm -hmm. We all know that this year was crazy, so we won't even get into that. Everybody's had struggles and things like that. But we're going to talk about the year uh, as it relates to multiracial people um, and just what, what we thought was significant in 2020. So... I mean, the headliner, the big news, the the issue we're all still dealing with. What is 2020 without COVID? COVID-19. I mean, we knew of COVID in 2019, uh, but it was overseas, right? People were uh, making memes uh, in summer of 2019 about the coronavirus and all of the memes with the corona beers and things like that. But it didn't really hit us until... Um, it didn't affect the day-to-day of American citizens until March because that's when um, shelter-in-place orders became prevalent in most states. Yes, and we did, we tried to record, I mean, we did record an episode about COVID and the anti-Asian sentiments that were um, Mm -hmm. coming with it. People were attacking people of Asian descent, Americans, we know you can't distinguish between Japanese, Korean, Chinese people. So it was really race, racist attacks. Mm -hmm. People were being um, heckled on subways, in public areas, Asian restaurants were being vandalized. There were so many signs in certain parts of the country that would um, say things like no bat soup here. Um, Heck, I work at a mental health facility that's a locked facility for safety reasons of the the residents there. And so the kids don't really have a lot of outside connections because they're focusing on their own safety. And the kids inside the facility were saying, no, 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 we can't eat Chinese food or we're going to get sick. And so we had to do a lot of education on how germs are actually spread and you know, microaggressions and um, racial discrimination and things like that. And, you know, we should know better by this point, like that to call the coronavirus, the China virus is deeply racist and full of misinformation. But can I tell you, Beth, as of January 2021, I was trying Mm -hmm. to Listeners, don't judge me here, but I was trying to sympathize (laughs) with Trump supporters, even at this point, even after the insurrection. I was trying to understand why somebody would still be affiliated with Donald Trump. And the White House put out uh, a statement of his accomplishments. And the first sentence says... Before the China virus invaded our shores, we built the world's most prosperous economy. Like, yes, in 2021, they are still the White House, which I've really come to expect the worst of the White House at at every turn. I mean, you would think, like, as much editing that goes into public statements from the White House, that at least someone on his team would be like, hey, 
maybe we shouldn't call it the China virus because, I mean, uh, that's just going to spread more misinformation and anti-Asian sentiments and endanger American citizens and Asian American citizens who are already struggling in the economy and with health and so many different things. That's just so inaccurate and unhelpful. This this is going to be a future episode because when what we learned with COVID too is even though this virus affected our whole nation, it hit populations at disproportionate rates and it affected yeah. different communities differently. And I want to one day yeah. we're going to dive into when people talk about the economy um, because just because the economy is good doesn't mean the economy is good for everyone. And I got to do exactly. a lot more research, but listeners, we're going to freaking talk about it as it relates to the multiracial yep. community. So speaking of which, as after March, you know, we made it through the spring trying to figure out quarantine and things like that over the summer as tensions are so high because we're all still sheltering in place and trying to find toilet paper and paper towels and Lysol, which I still can't find in the stores. Racial tensions uh, started to escalate. Because um, unfortunately, when you seclude people or quarantine people, stress increases. And so we've seen increases in domestic abuse, violence against women and children, and also violence against the minorities in the country. Um, you know, with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many more names we could list, um, all became big banners and movements. Um as we can still see a lot of the unfair and disproportionate uh, brutality against minorities in this country. Yeah, and I don't know if people are new to the racial justice that needs to come about in America. Like, whenever the summer comes around, I personally, like, get a little bit on edge because I know statistically there's more state violence against minority people in the summer. As the Mm -hmm. temperatures rise, Mm -hmm. like, people Mm -hmm. lose their cool faster. So it's kind of, you can almost trace it back. Like, I'm sure somewhere there's a graph where you can see, like, (laughs) the the big names and black deaths that we've had like usually Mm -hmm. happen in the summer months and yeah it's a psychological um, phenomenon and it's interesting that it's i found it interesting that this year they were like the racial tensions boiled over in 2020 when i remember like 2016 and marching in 2018 Mm -hmm. and all these other like it almost just feels cyclical so maybe it's just even years in the summer yeah (laughs) Sadly, it might be. And perhaps COVID. I know COVID like people were inside more. They were reading more. They're listening to more podcasts and learning more, which is amazing. Um, I think there was as much as there was an information overload this year. I think there was a lot of mm-hmm. good information that was put out where people could learn more. Um, but mm-hmm. as we typically say, this is nothing new. Um, and yeah, the racial tension really hit. I would say it hit a new high. It got the attention Mm -hmm. it actually deserves in 2020. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that will continue so that in the future we won't I won't have to cringe when the summer comes around because I think another black body is going to be shot because a a cop can't control their temper. Yeah. And so we've seen um, lots of marches. We've seen um, lots of calls for uh, police reform and social justice reform. Um. And funnily enough, uh, I thought I had food poisoning when Leela and I went to a march 
over the summer, but it turns out, nope, I was just pregnant. <laughs> yes. We're so, <laughs> so happy with the baby boom that's happening right now. People didn't think it was going to happen, but I know three pregnant people who got pregnant last year. So it's here. I mean, when you shut people indoors, they're either going to be at each other's throats or be making babies. So Or be at each other's throats. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we're so excited. Um that Beth is pregnant and that she is bringing a multiracial baby into this world. But I, Beth, mm-hmm. I'm curious how you are feeling about that with things looking as they do. Like, I don't, I don't know where we have a point in the future to look and be like, it will be better at this point. Like I was hoping January 20th, the inauguration of Biden, like that's it. Everything will start getting better then, but it's just, the future is so mm-hmm. uncertain and not to be a, a Debbie Downer, but how does that no, make that's you realistic. feel like as a mom to a soon-to-be multiracial baby in America? In America, yeah. I think that's the caveat. Um, well, I don't think there's ever a good time to have a baby mm. um, or to have a minority baby in this country. If you look throughout history, there's never really a, a truly safe time to have a kid. I mean, all kids were born. We were born. Um, during a period of tension, right? I mean, how many memes are going around about millennials saying, hey, I'm I'm tired of living through my 50 millionth historical event, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we're here, we're surviving. And so, yes, um, I have my concerns. Yes, um, you know, I'm going to try and raise my kid to be mindful and eyes wide open. But also... Just recognizing I don't have control. I can't control this global pandemic. I mean, at the first couple trimesters, I had lots of complications in the first trimester. Um, and then I went back to work because I finally got healthy. But in the second, my third trimesters, my really big concerns have been not getting COVID, right? Because that's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the baby doesn't have a fully developed immune system or lungs, And so that's always a thing. And now that I'm getting close to delivery, the question is, all right, how's the how is he going to fare in this world? But I think every minority parent wonders about that to a degree, Mm -hmm. knowing that the world's not safe. The world can be cruel. But how do you learn to thrive despite that? So I think that's kind of how I'm processing it. As an honorary auntie, I'm very excited for this baby and I can't wait to put them. So I read a study about (laughs) newborns and um, multiracial Mm -hmm. newborns are in front of different races, like earlier than Mm -hmm. monoracial. And I'm like, oh, I just can't wait to put my face in between (laughs) your dad's face and your mom's face. Like he's going to get the whole spectrum of color. (laughs) And I'm so excited for it. Yeah. He is, and I think I'm excited for that, too. And as much as has gone wrong um, in 2020, there were things to still be excited for and grateful for. Like, I've always told you, Leela, hey, educate me on how to figure out my kid's curl pattern and texture Mm -hmm. and whatnot. Um, And maybe on various, very, very special occasions, we can spoil the kid and get him some products uh, from Tracy Ellis Ross's new line that she dropped. She dropped her own hair care product line. 
for curls and taking care of it in all natural ways. And so that was really exciting to see. I know you researched some of it. <laughs> it's just a little pricey, Tracy. I mean, we want to support you in your endeavors, but also... I will once we monetize this podcast. <laughs> like, once we start making money. I was... Because I did... I went to Ulta. I walked up to the Pattern Beauty display. I, like, picked up the bottles. And I was like, these bottles are really tiny. <laughs> um, so I will one day... One day try it out. But... what? But for now, I'm just happy to promote and tell people because mm-hmm. you that's another thing I think I learned in 2020 is you got to you really have to check who is making your products um, and who yes. is making your merchandise. Mm-hmm. Because I I've been a part of I consider myself a part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, I'm not a type of person who says I, I believe in the saying, but not the cause. Like I believe in the organization. I believe in the people mm-hmm. who run it. I love Patrice Colors. Mm-hmm. So I wanted some more Black Lives Matter merch. And the stuff online wasn't that cute. So I started looking around. And of course, my algorithm started giving me like, oh, here's some Black Lives Matter stuff. You know, when I looked into some of these products deeper, they were run by white people. Yeah. And I was like, y'all, get out of here. Black entrepreneurs matter too. <laughs> so, Well, that was also a big movement in 2020 was shopping local and supporting local businesses because so many um, local businesses were shutting down as everyone was just turning to Amazon or Walmart or, or some of the bigger companies to just deliver their groceries or because it was about I just need this now. I need this fast. They're the ones who are stocking up sooner. And then so many businesses were closing. And so recognizing, hey, instead of going to Amazon, I can shop local. I can support this business that I've enjoyed for the past X number of years, you know. Or even if you are shopping like online, one of the things I did this year is I used thrift books instead of going to Amazon. Because mm. I think I'm becoming an anti-capitalist. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see <laughs> as I grow up. But uh, thrift books is where I was able to get Obama's new book, which came out this year. Yeah. Promised Land. Uh, one of my favorite multiracials mm-hmm. in the world. It's it's a big book. It is thick, and it's like one of I think one of two. Yeah. So I'm reading through that now, and there is just there's so much to say, and we'll probably cover that later. But we are proud that our first multiracial president put out another book that was uh, yep. widely well received, and history was made again at when Kamala Harris was elected as VP as the first multiracial woman vice president, like. What? So many, so many firsts with that. Um, so excited that there's a female um, in the White House who will have prominent um, attention. I mean, there are a lot of female staffers and people behind the scenes, but like kids growing up don't see who the chief of staff is, right? Like that face isn't widely promoted. That name isn't widely promoted. But I follow I follow lots of mixed families on Instagram, on my personal Instagram. And there were so many stories um, where parents were dancing with their kids, like the vice president looks like us and just being so excited for that kind of representation. But something that I'm really excited for of like, yes, there's a woman in the White House and they're and she's multiracial and that's really exciting. But also even the excerpts that you shared with me um, from Obama's book, A Promised Land, which I will be borrowing to read after you, is Obama has talked about his both and perspective of being raised in 
a multicultural environment and having lots of opportunities and um, different cultures and communities and taking that perspective to the White House. And so I'm interested to see um, how Kamala Harris also uses her experiences, whether similar or different, um, to inform uh, her role and her decisions as vice president, especially with the Senate tie and how she's going to need to step in a little bit more than past vice presidents have needed to. It is, I think, amazing that we get to see her leadership on display. Um, That's just the nature Mm -hmm. of politics nowadays. It's everywhere. Like, I know more people watching C-SPAN now. And I'm like, is this just because we're getting old or because we're really into (laughs) what's happening in our nation? Um, So it will be interesting. Yeah, probably both. (laughs) A push in 30. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I am, at least. Beth is a young buck. Um, (laughs) I'm like a year younger than you. Oh, child. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it will be interesting to see her leadership because i think we will i think she already has a book out uh and i'm curious to read that um i know Mm -hmm. like just anyone of multiracial descent in leadership i think there are specific i i I have a hypothesis that they operate a little bit differently Um, and when Mm -hmm. america eventually falls and Meghan markle becomes our queen because her and her husband (laughs) move back (laughs) to this side (laughs) of the world I, I'm, I'm interested to read her book and watch how she leads, you know, like, uh, there's just all these, we have more representation now of people who are multiracial identify as such, Mm -hmm. which if I can say like it, I think they did a good job covering Kamala Harris's background Mm -hmm. because it wasn't, she's the first black VP, Mm -hmm. uh, woman VP. There was the distinction of her background. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important step to like, ultimately, one day, hopefully, our backgrounds aren't noteworthy, if that makes sense. Like, hopefully, yeah, it's no longer the first this, the first that. Yeah. And it's the content of the character, not the color of the person, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and I hope for that. But we're not we're not anywhere near close to that. But I think the media and everybody covering Kamala Harris accurately is a step in that direction. I agree with that Um, because, I mean, you and I have talked on previous podcasts about how uh, President Obama, when he was running and for the election, um, he was the first biracial candidate. But then when he was elected, he became the first black president and how that narrative switched in the advertisement, whereas for Kamala Harris, it remained accurate. And I wonder if that's just if they identify differently. and how they wanted to control or influence the narrative being spoken against them, or if that is some form of growth. Um, Sometimes it's hard to really know with the media, especially these days. Yeah, and there can always be, as even when the media takes steps forward, there can be steps taken backwards. So <laughs> True. That, that is why we keep an eye on it, and that's why we continue to promote yep. ourselves as multiracial people. Um, unless we're filling out bank loans, then we're white. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been an interesting year for biracial leadership in America, and um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how it continues in 2021. 2021 has already started off carrying too much of the same, if not worse, energy than 2020. Mm-hmm. Do you have you still set any goals or intentions, Leela, for 2021? Uh, for yourself oh my gosh I am a goal setter like I love 
bucket list. I love checking things off list. So I do have like mm-hmm. a, I would say a number of goals for myself. Um, I think self growth or self improvement is like a like a core part of who I am. Like I'm always doing something new or trying to learn something new. So I did set a goal for 52 books. Like I want to read 52 books this year. Whoa. I know. It's a book. It's like week. a book a week. Yep. <laughs> Already behind. Jeez. <laughs> Carrying from last year as well. Like I'm really trying to get my finances right. Just all the classic goals that mm-hmm. people set you at know. the beginning of a year. Um, and I did, I was doing pretty good with like my debt-free journey until COVID hit and then that money well <laughs> that money went yep. elsewhere but yep we'll see. that's different we got some great goals for the podcast but what about you Beth what are your 2021 intentions so I set intentions instead of goals because I am such a type a kind of person that if I don't meet my goals then I tend to beat myself up about that a little too much Um, so for me, my intentions are one to kind of, I have a fitness intention. So before I got pregnant, uh, I used to run a lot. Um, and my husband and I like to run together with our dog. So I want to get back into running. And so there's uh, a 5k that we do in our local city every year. And so I want to be able to run that again after the baby. Um, so I'm going to start with a 5k, but before I got pregnant, my goal was to run a half marathon in 2021, but we're just going to reset that and dial that back a little bit. <laughs> so I have time to recover from childbirth. Um, and then uh, I want to journal more. I think I've really fallen off that in 2020. And with everything going on, I want to be able to process my thoughts. Not necessarily like, I need to document this for historical purposes. No, we have the internet. Like, we don't need to journal anymore for like t- for people to find in the future. Um, but just for me in terms of processing through things and um, having a good outlet for that, I want to journal more. Oh man, if anybody looked at my journals for historical context, I'd be like, go elsewhere. <laughs> this is not the place. Leela, oh. <laughs> on last Tuesday, I visited this restaurant and it was banging. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> insurrectionists stormed the Capitol. Those crazy insurrectionists <laughs> challenging our democracy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know. I but. feel like we we have to address it just a little bit, just on this episode, even though we're covering 2020. Since, yeah, in light of current events, I think what I respect about a lot of content creators is that they're recognizing, hey, we will comment on this, but we are not the live news cycle because news changes every hour, every day. And so just in terms of recap um, for us, I kind of have been processing January 6th a little bit like 9-11 of like, where were you on 9-11? Where was I on January 6th? I was in a lot of counseling sessions, getting live updates via text from my husband and from my friend who uh, lives and works in Washington, D.C., Um, And my husband's an attorney, so him watching live feeds from his office and um, going to and from the courthouse, and then from my friend who was uh, walking around the streets, which made me very nervous because he's also a young black man in America. It was just hard to process. It was hard to fathom or even believe. Yeah. What about you, Leela? Funnily enough, 
January 6th was my first day back at work mm-hmm. since I love New Year's Eve. That's like my favorite holiday. Like I usually take a vacation right at the start of a new year. Um, mm-hmm. So I had just spent a nice time in LA just relaxing like everything's shut down in LA. well not everything shut down but it's COVID yeah. so I was just hanging out with my friend we were like binge watching TV went hiking mm-hmm. like felt very relaxed felt very good um me and my good. other friend Chelsea we both went back to work the same day we sent each other like encouraging texts that morning and we were like we got Aww. this like we're refreshed we're going back to work and like oh, no. I know like it's so <laughs> funny to me now to think about that because we I was having a productive morning I was feeling good about the year I was feeling good about I was just feeling so good and then I got a text from a friend in Colorado who was like are you watching mm-hmm. the news and I was like, what? And then I went to Twitter because <laughs> that's where I don't have cable or anything. And I get live news updates from Twitter and saw what was going on. And honestly, I think my I went into like, I don't know if shock is the right word, but I just numbed out. Like I was completely numbed to yeah. the whole thing. I was watching it happen. Yeah. And it was just kind of that moment of like, well, duh. Like, yeah. And it didn't really hit me until two days later. Um, because I was just mm-hmm. kind of information gathering, doom scrolling a little bit. I know my roommate mm-hmm. um, what took it really hard. And it, it was interesting mm-hmm. to process because I was watching her like tear up about it. And I just felt numb to it. And then I think like yeah. the full effect of it, like the pain of it, the fear of it set in like two days yeah. later. Um, I don't know why. Like usually when there's a, like a unjust killing by the state by police I'm, my responses have sh- shifted and grown over the years like from anger to numbness and things like that and I was just immediately numb with this one and I don't know if it's because I was just worn out or it's just <laughs> it really quickly oh. like like disrupted 2021 and I am one of those people that's very hopeful for a new year and like mm-hmm. a fresh start mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it's just it's been crazy but i will say what i very much appreciated right at the start was everyone was saying this would not be the same response if it was black lives matter like yeah people oh my gosh they saw that very quickly and i Mm -hmm. i hope i was just like i hope like that our country is like all of our country not just like some of us like all of us are truly seeing like hey like this is there's unfair treatment of minorities Mm -hmm. in america yeah i am a very structured person i have been a rule follower for 98.7 percent of my life you can even ask my brother it drove him crazy growing up and so anarchy just is worse it's like a a million times worse than nails on a chalkboard for my soul Um, like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, anarchy, I can't do. I like living in an ordered world. I like that there are rules, there are rewards, there are punishments, um, because I think order and structure provide a sense of safety and security for everybody. So to see people try and force things or change a system not in the way that it's supposed to, um, I think that's the closest thing to anarchy uh, we, you and I have seen in our lifetime. Uh, I don't want to say like in all of American history, um, but that um, just terrified me and angered me on such a level. And even seeing the fallout 
uh, like you said, of just the unfairness, the unjustness. I was like, this wasn't even a temper tantrum. This was just um, insurrection and uprising and, and dangerous. And I think a lot of people have been saying it's domestic terrorism because it has incited terror in the, a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. And whether they were successful or not in um, what they wanted to accomplish in terms of the election uh, doesn't matter because they accomplished inciting terror in lots of Americans across the country. Unfortunately, I have a lot of family in and outside and around D.C., and I'm very nervous for them coming up to the inauguration on the 20th and what that's going to look like um, for the city, for safety, for you know pro- due process and, and all of that. And so I think 2021, I'm interested to see how the rest of the year plays out because I think I have to have hope um, to keep going, right? Uh, and kind of like we just recapped of 2020, there were a lot of hard things and sad things and tragic things, but there were also good things that were still happening. And my hope is that's the same for 2021. And so for it to start like this, the optimist in me is saying, okay, so we have the whole year to address it. We have the whole year to work through it. This is the starting line. This isn't the finish line. We have so much time to work through that. The realist in me is not sure what that will look like. And I know that there are some cynical people out there who may even say like, oh, it could just get worse. But I I personally am trying to have hope. Well, I love that. We always need hope. (laughs) And I... I'm going to align with that line of thinking as well, that we have time to address it. The hard, I think the hard part is addressing it just mm-hmm. because there are hard conversations to have and like accountability, like people need to be held accountable for their actions. And I don't know what people want, the people who broke into the Capitol, people who are still supporting Trump at this point, like... I don't know. I can't give you anything that you want. You want Trump to still be president. He's not (laughs) like so. Mm -hmm. I think those the conversations we have around our dinner tables with our friends and family, like always Mm -hmm. they're always important. But I think like they feel more important this year. So with for us, like this podcast is sort of is a conversation like. Um, yeah. So it's not anything we're going to give up on. We're going to keep it going Mm-mm. this year, even yeah. with Beth's baby coming. Um, and just yep. hoping to be more intentional with the podcast uh, because we are hobby mm-hmm. podcasters. We're not out here. Like, this is not my career. <laughs> like, <laughs> Obviously, I've talked many times. This is not my career either. Yeah. So we do want to um, buff it up a little bit, you know, uh, try to be more engaged on social media and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but also get back to our focus of, uh, we talk about cultural events. We talk about relevant events Mm -hmm. in a safe space. Um, but something we're hoping to do, uh, is like kind of a new series where we Mm -hmm. look at multiracial leaders, um, high profile or our local leaders and, Try to find any kind of influencer. Yeah, any type of well, not any type of influencer. I'm not gonna get a multiracial well anyone Instagram influencer. No, 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 no. no. I guess more so like anyone who influences a sphere of culture, whether that's education or business or social media or government or politics or etc. Yes, that's a great that's a great way to describe it. Um, Because we kind of have this hypothesis that these people. 
because of their multiracial background have something different about them or their leadership style or the way that Mm -hmm. they influence is different than a Mm monoracial person. So we're not exactly like if we had to list out, okay, these are the three traits or like five traits of multiracial people and their leadership styles. We don't have that information yet, but I think it's there. So we're going to look at some of our favorites. We're going to, um, do some reading, exploring, listen to our community Mm -hmm. on social and see what you guys think as well. And yeah, just kind of figure that out together. Yeah. So if there's anyone that you have questions about or interested about, um, send it our way. You can email us. We are both and at gmail.com. Shout us out on Twitter. We are both and or message us on Instagram. Same handle. Mm -hmm. We're pretty consistent with our branding. (laughs) Yes. We are both and (laughs) everywhere. Um, So, guys, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for your valuable time today. Thank you for listening and being with us. Um, We enjoy this conversation uh, with you and for you. And, yeah, Mm -hmm. I guess that's it. We'll see you next time. Mm